Want to take the guesswork out of making mouthwatering barbecue? Get ready to fire up flavor without the fuss with Andrew Bueller, founder of Urban Smokehouse. Happy New Year's Eve. My name is Brent Peterson, and I gave Veronica the day off. I'm thrilled to have Andrew Bueller share his story behind Urban Smokehouse's oven-ready barbecue shipped right to your door. With Andrew's passion for high-quality meats and strategic cooking methods, Urban Smokehouse delivers all the smoked flavor without the mess or hours waiting by a grill. You'll hear how Andrew built the business through crowdfunding and overcoming immense shipping challenges for perishable products. Whether you love hosting or just want to level up homemade dinners, Andrew is changing the barbecue game. Learn his tips for competing with larger brands through an obsession with quality and customer experience. This is an episode no barbecue lover or aspiring founder will want to miss with the mastermind himself, Andrew Bueller. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you lost in the content creation chaos, struggling under the burden of high costs and complications? Does the thought of regular content posting make you break out in hives? We feel your pain. But don't despair, your content hero has arrived! Introducing Content Basis, delivering unparalleled content creation and scheduling solutions crafted specifically for your audience and needs. Harnessing the power of AI, we efficiently deliver on-point content every time. Our US-based team meticulously reviews each piece, ensuring authenticity and precision. We value your unique voice and insights. You direct the final shape while we handle ideation to execution. With auto-scheduling, your content always finds its audience. And with bi-weekly check-ins, our strategies sync with your vision. At Content Basis, we're your dedicated ally in the content battlefield. From ideation to posting, we've got your content journey covered. Visit contentbasis.io and say goodbye to content chaos today. That's contentbasis.io. You're listening to Talk Commerce. Subscribe and download at talk-commerce.com. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Andrew Bueller. And of course, I'm not going to make any Bueller jokes, but Andrew, go ahead. Oh, Andrew's the CEO of Smokehouse. I'm sorry. Yeah, Andrew, go ahead. Do an introduction. Do a much better one than I did. Tell us your day-to-day -day role and maybe one of your passions in life. Yeah, happy to do so. Th thanks for having me on as well. Um, again, my name's Andrew Bueller. Um, I'm originally from the Chicagoland area, but I've been in uh, New York City for about 10 years now. And uh, last year, I started a company called uh, Urban Smokehouse. Um, Urban Smokehouse's goal is to provide pre-cooked barbecue foods. Uh, we ship them vacuum sealed on dry ice to, to people nationwide here in the U.S. And really the pitch is uh, ribs, brisket, things of that nature is often described as being prepared low and slow, which means uh, over the course of multiple hours and often on a smoker. And I think uh, most people in urban environments um, often don't have a backyard. Maybe they have a community grill or something in an apartment building or a condo, but uh, definitely don't have a smoker and often don't have hours to, to, to make foods like these. So 
we cook we cook barbecue foods the right way, vacuum seal them, and then ship them on on dry ice, so that you can reheat these products in in, in a much more convenient time frame, fifteen to twenty minutes, and enjoy a low and slow barbecue kind of uh, anywhere any, anywhere uh, as long as you have a you know an oven, a grill, an air fryer, a microwave, really any device, and so that's kind of the uh, the simple pitch, but. Um, yeah, we've been doing it for about a year. Um, originally, it was a Kickstarter project, um, which is a crowdfunding website. Did that last July, July 2022. Uh, website and company kind of went live in September of 2022. Sold pork baby back ribs for a year and uh, actually just started selling briskets as well about a week and a half ago. So two product company now, 100% bootstrapped uh, and I've enjoyed the process, but uh, I'll, I'll pause there and uh, and see where you want to take the conversation. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. How about passions? Any Anything passionate outside of uh, barbecue? Yeah, um, I was a competitive swimmer uh, my whole life, so I really like all water sports. Uh, swam in college, but you know, get me in a lake, get me in a pool, get me in an ocean, I'm pretty happy. Um, and I'd argue that you know, food is really the passion. Uh, I spent my first 10 years um, as a private equity investor uh, here in New York and, and a handful of other kind of financial services jobs, but uh, kind of left Wall Street to chase the passion of, of barbecue. So as I say, I, I dropped the suit and picked up the apron um, and uh, I'm learning everything about e-commerce and digital marketing kind of along the way, but I've always been very passionate about food, whether it's cooking it or enjoying it. Um, I, I enjoy food greatly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think we all do, or most of us do. <laughs> I did my first uh, open, not my first, but I did an open water swim event across Lake Superior this uh, summer. Uh, oh, awesome. Dad, how, my, how long was the race? It was two and a half miles. So not super long, but uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, you you have to worry about is the water going to be 60 degrees or is it going to be 70? Lake Superior can be a funny place. Yeah, is there a current? Are you swimming against it or with it? I mean, it's over an hour of straight swimming, so that's that's definitely a, a worthy feat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, very fun, and, and my daughter has me excited about uh, doing more swim events, so who knows? I'm in Minnesota, so we don't do a lot of swim events in the, in the wintertime, so... Sounds like she's the swimmer and she's roping you into these things. That's exactly what's happening. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Andrew, before we get started on our content, um, I I have a thing called the free joke project. So all I'm going to do is tell you a joke, and I should have picked a barbecue joke, but I don't have one. But anyways, you'll just say, should this joke be free, or do you think we could charge for it at some point? So I here we go. I look forward to it. <laughs> My wife says to her husband that moose are falling from the sky. The husband says, it's reindeer. I think we could pay for this in the holiday season. This is, this is a December joke. Might, might, <laughs> might, not, might not catch the same audience in July, but this is, this is, a, Christmas, this is a Christmas special. I agree with you, and I, I kind of <laughs> screwed up the delivery, so I apologize for that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll retell it in the North Pole next time. There you go. Good. <laughs> In the ever-evolving retail landscape, one platform is changing the game, ushering in a retail renaissance that puts relationships at the forefront. Welcome to Endear. Endear is a CRM built for omni-channel brands, empowering them with the consumer data to deliver a personalized, efficient customer experience that drives sales and retention. Imagine a tool that intuitively understands your customers' needs, giving your brand a remarkable edge. Don't believe us? Geronimo from Rebag says, I've used every CRM from Salesforce down and Endear is the best one I've found for us. 
With Endear, your team isn't just selling products and crafting stories that resonate, nurturing connections that last. It's not just a CRM. It's a tool that empowers your sales associates to make personalized connections, bridging brands and customers like never before. Ready to redefine retail clienteling with a platform trusted by hundreds of omni-channel brands around the globe? Request your Endear demo today and enter a future of enriched connections and unparalleled customer loyalty. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your business and why you got into it. Um, I'm part of the entrepreneurs organization here in Minnesota, so you know I'm, I'm really big into entrepreneurship and and how uh, these type of businesses grow. And tell us a little bit of why you got interested in barbecue and in New York City. Yeah, sure. I think there was a couple of driving factors. Um, you know, one I've always personally been interested in broadly cooking, but you know, particularly barbecue and. I kind of joke the origin of the story, the uh, the origin story here is in high school. You know, I was the president of the of the grilling society in college. I started a, a club where I ended up doing um, a pig roast for the school once a year. Um, we traveled around. I went to school in Maine. We traveled around kind of the state doing different eating competitions and things of that nature. Um, and New York's a really awesome place to like explore global cuisine. Um, you know, there's great food from really around the world. You can have great Chinese food. You can have great Italian food. You know, great great really everything and so it's a great place to eat um but probably a less less of a great place to uh conduct great barbecue um and so i definitely felt that a little bit of the struggle of oh i no longer have a backyard or a patio or you know a a grill out there and so i kind of felt that absence and then i think covid was really that natural self-reflection period for a lot of people um we all spent a lot of time uh home alone um you know thinking about um maybe what we like to do. And for me, it was kind of that turning point where I said, hey, you know, I've worked in financial services for, um, you know, almost a decade now. Is this something I really love? Do I want to do this for, you know, the next 20 or 30 years? Um, or is this, you know, a, a time to pivot? Um, and, you know, I kind of asked myself those broader philosophical questions of what I want out of life and what do I want to do every day. And, um, I always had a little bit of the entrepreneurial itch, but, um, you know, I said, oh, I'll get another year of experience or, oh, I'll, you know, save up a little bit more money and kind of de-risk this thing with experience and savings. And, you know, COVID, I said, hey, you know, it's now or never. Um, let's, let's, let's start making a business plan. Let's do something that we really want to do coming out of this and, uh, and pursue a different path. And uh, kind of combined with food and barbecue as a passion, I started crafting um, what ultimately became Urban Smokehouse. And two other trends I, I noticed, um, anyone would notice living in any city, is uh, the amount of Amazon boxes piling up in the lobby of every single apartment building and condo. And you said, wow, um, this e-commerce thing really isn't going away. Everyone's buying more and more packages online. And COVID, you know, you didn't want to go to the store in person. So everyone probably doubled or tripled the amount of packages they were purchasing. And then two, the big de-risking that I think occurred was um, you know, there probably was some hesitation for a lot of people with grocery stores and grocery shopping and people wanting to choose their own produce or their own uh, meat in person and kind of walk through those sections and handpick, you know, this apple looks ripe, that one doesn't, or, you know, this steak looks better than the other, etc. cetera. And, um, you know, there was a period where people kind of said, you know, too bad, either you're, you're, you're getting groceries delivered or you're eating predominantly, you know, boxed goods. And so I think a level of comfortability was also reestablished with buying um, some of these products that probably people were less inclined to buy online during COVID. And so, uh, 
you know, building a, uh, a food e-commerce brand uh, mm-hmm. that's somewhat meat-centric, um, I kind of saw the tailwinds there and, and, and my passions kind of uh, intersecting them. And, and that's really where the thesis was developed and kind of the, uh, the, 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 the nudge off the, off the cliff was, uh, was created as well. <laughs> yeah, and you took quite a big leap from going uh, from an investment banking or from the finance uh, field to, to food. What, what kind of – what did you have that kind of made you do that and, and, and take that risk and leap? Yeah, so I think um, uh, if you come from an investing background – um, you broadly uh, gain a, a skill set or a lens for um, what makes a business attractive and what makes a business, you know, kind of work. Um, you know, the businesses that only last a year or two tend not to be the ones that you know <laughs> receive ongoing investment versus a, you know, a business that you know can stand the test of time. Um, and so, you know, I, from a private equity investment kind of role. Um, had the opportunity to review basically thousands of businesses every single year and ultimately only invest in two or three of those and kind of roll up our sleeves and try to improve those businesses. And so quickly you kind of gain an appreciation for businesses that, you know, have visibility into uh, repeat business, you know, what businesses are high margin, what businesses are, what, what businesses uh, work both in tough times and in good times. And so that gave me a broader framework for kind of some of the attributes I wanted to um, have present in my business. Um, But ultimately, um, you know, the industry was more one of passion and the experience um, from investment banking and private equity came from, hey, what 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 uh, is going to make this business uh, survive and grow relative to its competitors and also be one that... uh, is a relatively light lift to kind of get started. And uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, I was very particular when I started this business about not over-investing in a bunch of, you know, expensive equipment or, you know, a ton of people or, uh, you know, real estate or even inventory. Um, you know, that was one of, the, one of the reasons I really went the crowdfunding route in the beginning because it allows you to de-risk the thesis in a sense where, um, you get a couple hundred people or a couple a couple thousand people that are already interested in the product. You give them to get you money. They you get them to give you money in advance, and then with that capital, you can then make the product and ultimately fulfill it to them. And so, it was a uh, it was a great de-risking uh, moment for the business because it's build hype, uh, have people already interested in the product, not not spend a, a whole lot of money in advance other than really creating a logo and you know, a two minute video explaining the, the purpose of the product to your customers uh, and then going out and doing that. And to the extent that it wasn't a success and nobody said they were interested or you, would, you didn't hit your goals, um, you kind of say, oh, well, we're, we're out of pocket a thousand bucks. Let's not pursue this venture. But to the extent that you get, you know, a couple hundred people or a couple thousand, pe- couple thousand people saying, I'm interested in this product. I'm willing to give you a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. Go make the product. You end up with, you know, Twenty five, thirty thousand bucks, and you say, "Hey, maybe, maybe we should pursue this, or you know, we have an obligation to do so now, and and we haven't already spent a bunch of money on things without knowing that there's demand for the product." Um, I know I took that down a different, a different angle towards the end there, but I thought it was it was interesting, and it definitely is an interesting approach for someone that's considering entrepreneurship, um, but is worried about you know market fit or spending a bunch of money and then ending up with nothing. Um, that's how I viewed 
kind of de-risking it in the beginning. Did you find uh, as the as you went through that in the Kickstarter, did you have to kind of sell yourself as well as the product? Because people have to really buy into the idea, right? To invest in the, the small mitts and how yeah. did you how did you see that and what kind of story did you tell to, by doing that? I think it cuts twofold. So um, I think if you're um, raising like institutional money or, or, or meeting, you know. Uh, angel investors, venture capital firms, private equity investors, things of that nature, um, there's definitely a much bigger pitch on yourself and like proving that like you are the person that can carry this across the finish line. And people in those instances are writing much larger checks. I think kind of the beauty of crowdfunding is you're dealing with arguably, you know, regular, <laughs> regular people that are just really interested in ultimately purchasing your product and spending, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, maybe 200 bucks with you. And um, so there's a little bit less of the sell on like the execution. And I think a lot more sell on, is this product awesome? Is this a product I want to consume? Um, which ultimately I think is a pitch that matters much more. Um, because at the end of the day, um, the product needs to have market fit and there needs to be people that will ultimately want to buy the product. The more Wall Street looking investor is much more interested in right away, like what's the margin profile of this business and what's the total addressable market and you know the opportunity to have economic success, whereas the customer is really solely focused on, is this going to be an enjoyable experience for me or is this going to be a satisfying product or service for me? Um, and so the pitch is really overweight the product rather than yourself. So there was a little bit of selling myself, but I think it was really more all on the you love ribs, you love brisket, you don't want to wake up on Saturday and start cooking eight hours before you consume the product, let me do that. And uh, you can and you can have more of a ready-made product that's going to take 15 or 20 minutes. And we found some people that, that resonated with and it worked and kind of, you know, month over month, you, you get more five-star reviews and you get more people talking about it on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and and it, it has a slow but surely uh, snowball effect. And, uh, you know, we've been fortunate enough to experience that. That's awesome. Have you, I mean, I had a little bit of experience in the agency space on building websites for this type of business. And with the dry ice and shipping to, say, Hawaii or Alaska and having the different, when can you ship, Tuesday versus Friday? Have you been able to easily get over those hurdles or have you had to significantly invest in some technology to make sure that you have the right uh, packaging? So um, another one of my core theses is, um, especially on building a business, uh, take the sniper rifle approach versus the shotgun. And by that I mean learn how to do one thing really, 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 really well and everything else you should trust uh, someone that's an expert in that field. And, and outsource those things, uh, especially as a small business where they're, you know, you're a one-man band in the beginning. It's, it's hard to do everything really well. It's hard to be the accountant, the lawyer, the sales team, the marketing team, the strategist, the product design. You know, there's so many roles to fill. And so I really wanted to focus on like product and strategy. And I really looked to finding best-in-class partners to help me scale in some of these things. And so... Um, I partnered with a distribution center in uh, Wisconsin or a fulfillment center in Wisconsin that ultimately does the pick and pack. And when I met them, you know, those, some of the things you uh, raised were actually some of the things they, they pushed as like a, a value add. They said, hey, you know, we've been doing this for 30 years for, you know, 
thousands of people and you know you probably didn't think about this but you know the amount of ice that goes in a package to florida in july is very different than the amount of ice that goes to a package in minnesota in january um and you know you have to you have to pack it up so that you know someone might not be there ready to get the package the second it's delivered it might sit you know eight hours on the front doorstep in the 100 degree heat in florida or arizona um you know are you thinking about that in terms of the amount of ice you pack in these things and so we really leveraged our partner in that to kind of add some of that knowledge and know-how from doing this for you know decades and working with thousands of customers and the same thing you mentioned about when you ship so we typically only ship product uh, Monday through Thursday, and it's based on ultimately the end destination. So um, we ship everything uh, just ground shipping, and based on the estimated arrival date, if it's more than two days, you're automatically upgraded to two-day air. And so everything's supposed to kind of you know get to you in two days or less. Um, so if you live very close to the distribution center, it might be only one day. If you live in Illinois or Michigan or Minnesota, so we might be able to get a package out. We might still ship to you on Thursday or Friday. If you live in Florida or California or something, we're likely only gonna send it out to you on Monday through Wednesday because we wanna make sure that the package doesn't get trapped in a, in a FedEx distribution center over the weekend and have extra days kind of waiting on it. And so that does impact ultimately when we ship. And so yeah, product never goes out over the weekend. Uh, we encourage people to order, You know, call it Monday through Thursday. They have an understanding and it says on our website very clearly. If you order over the weekend, you know, this product isn't going out until Monday. That's awesome. Um, I got a, a challenge question. Do you have any customers in Austin, Texas? Um, great question. Uh, Austin, Texas, I'm not sure, but I mean, we have had many, we've had customers in all 50 states already. Um, and we have had customers in Texas, but uh, I'd have to double check the zip codes and the ultimate end locations within Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I only say that because I, you know, I travel there a lot, and it's it's like so much barbecue that happens here. <laughs> like it's every corner is a barbecue place. So totally. <laughs> uh, um, so what what's your vision? Like, how do you see this growing, and what is your vision for the the business of uh, going forward? Yeah, so I think we actually have a pretty big vision. Um, so the goal right now is is building a, a brand and building a brand directly with the end customer. And so how we do that is we're going to continue to launch other products in the vertical. As I mentioned right now, we're selling pork baby back ribs and brisket. Ultimately, we want to add, call it at least one thing in every protein skew. So the next product for us will be chicken. Uh, like they pull chicken. Ultimately, we want to add accompanying sides, You know whether that be cornbread or you know vegetables things of that nature um, we ultimately want to sell our barbecue sauces that um, a lot of these proteins are coming you know pre-coated in and then once we've hit what I'll call critical mass and maybe we'll define that as you know somewhere between five and ten million of annual revenue and direct to consumer online sales we'll likely start pursuing um, we'll likely start pursuing uh, retail as well so ultimately trying to get the products in grocery uh, and then the last sleeve of the business, I think, is corporate gifting. So, um, you know, a great ancillary that I always, or a great competitor that I draw to is like Omaha Steaks. Um, you know, a large portion of their business is getting people in professional services, accountants, lawyers, consultants, things of that nature to gift steaks to, you know, their top 50 or top 100 clients every year, or people that are celebrating a milestone in their business. I think there's a, a great pitch to do something similar here with barbecue, um, and so that's kind of the vision and kind of the three the three stools of the business. Right now, we're still in that brand building, um, you know, D to C phase, 
And I think as you continue to grow the business in a D2C manner, there's a really compelling story for those other two, uh, other two legs of the business because ultimately, hopefully in a year or two, I can go to these other channels and say, hey, you know, we have, you know, 200,000 followers on social media and we have, you know, 50,000 customers and our average, you know, review is, you know, 4.8 out of 5 stars and, you know, all these compelling statistics to say, hey, you know, if you give this product a chance, it's going to work rather than approaching them initially and really having to kind of sell the product. Approaching those channels with an already existing brand um, will we'll, we'll move heaven and earth for us. So uh, that, that, that's, that's kind of our strategy and the reason we're doing D to C first and those other channels second. That's awesome. Then, so you, you are in a sort of competitive space. How, how do you compete against some of the bigger names that you'd find in, you know, your grocery store or Costco or something like that? Yeah, so I think we think of uh, competition a couple different ways. So one is, um, you know, how do we compete with the other like D to C players? And I think the other are the other people selling online. And um, I think the other people selling online um, really are focused on different proteins and different products. There are other people that sell barbecue, but there isn't anyone that's you know the Omaha steaks or the honey baked ham or the gold bellies of the world kind of scale yet. Um, and so we do view it as a little bit of virgin territory and, and, and just being better at marketing, better at you know customer acquisition online is really what's going to differentiate us there. Versus the existing products in grocery, uh, we're really trying to win on quality and we're really trying to sell a premium product. Um, so if you compare at least like our ribs to other, other ribs on the market, um, we tend to offer more protein. So like a lot of people, their half slab is like 14 ounces, ours is 16 ounces. Um, we do lean into a little bit of like some of the health accolades. So we are, you know, non-GMO, our, all of our products are allergen free. So we're trying to, you know, be friendly to, to people that might have some dietary restrictions or constraints when consuming our product. And then ultimately when it comes to food, I think it's, as I tell everyone, you got to feed the people. So we do a lot of pop-ups and like we give away a lot of product. We do a lot of free samples because ultimately you just need to get you just get you need to get people to try the product, and if they taste the product and they enjoy it, then they'll buy it. And that's why if you go to grocery stores or like especially Costco, you know, there's always brands that are doing free samples inside those stores, and um, that's what you need to do as a new brand. Um, you need to get people to try the product, and if they enjoy it and you're confident in the product, they'll ultimately buy it. And so, I mean, we've been pleasantly surprised with the number of like five star reviews we've gotten online, and we really try to get our customers to become advocates of the product and post about it on social media and we reward them if they do that with like um, a rewards program that we have that you know ultimately can earn free product or discounts and things like that but um, the hardest sale is the first sale and after that the goal is to get the customers to become advocates for the product and so getting incentivizing the customers to be advocates for the product with referral programs and rewards programs is, is, is important and um, giving away a lot of free samples in person is important because we're confident it tastes good. We just got to get you to try it. And those are the different ways that we kind of like tackle getting additional people to try it. <laughs> yeah. And I did look through the website that your, um, your imagery is fantastic. You have some great pictures of, and it is very enticing to even <laughs> buy. I'm a big barbecue fan. So I think the, the website looks fantastic. Um, so you're, um, you're, you're looking at um, 
moving into all these different directions what what do you, what is your time frame what do you what do you expect for growth and what what do you like to see in the future for that yeah so our goal really is just as long as we're growing month over month we're happy like uh we we we, we really because we're such a small business like there's no i don't like accept like the the seasonality excuse or the you know this or that excuse yet because we're, we're still, you know, a small blip on the map where you should be able to find people that want to eat this year round, you know, every week, whatever it is. And so um, we're really happy with kind of how growth has happened so far. You know, we've I mean, it's it's we're, we've just passed year one. You know, we with the business kind of went live, call it September 15th of 2022. But, um, you know, we've we, we, we've appropriately doubled the business, call it, you know, every few months. And so we've launched that second product and. Um, the next milestone we're really looking for is hitting that kind of five to ten million dollars in annual revenue, and I'm hoping we can do that. in you know, the next twelve to eighteen months, um, and once we do that, then we'll then we'll pursue um, retail. Then we'll pursue grocery. I'm not sure how many products that will be. We're already working on the pulled chicken product I mentioned. So product number three is called in the pipeline. I think we're going to launch it as a not a standalone product, but part of our holiday packages and gift sets. So it's going to be something that we talk about around Black Friday and the holiday season. And we're going to have, you know, uh, some gift packages or gift sets that uh, include an assortment of all three of our products. And then it'll launch as a standalone product likely in January or sometime after the holiday season. Um, I think that, you know, I kind of view each product as hitting it. The other factor here too is um, when you're selling a product that's perishable, you don't want to launch, you don't want to have a, a thousand SKUs right away or a hundred SKUs right away because you want to be confident that you can move a certain amount of each product before you get into another product because ultimately the product's going to expire. Ultimately, the product's going to go bad. And so, with ribs, um, you know, we were very, very um, cautious. Of, 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 of selling a lot of ribs each month before we kind of added a second product and how I think of volume is in terms of pallets. So, uh, you know, how many pallets are we selling each month and what's the turnover of each pallet? And so we waited until we started selling at least four pallets a month consistently for multiple months before we added a second product. And so we launched brisket, um, you know, a week and a half ago and we did our first run with a pallet and a half and we'll see how quickly we get through that. And then we want to get the economies of scale to, you know, multiple pallets, likely four pallets again, like we did ribs before we ultimately launch that chicken. Um, and then we'll kind of view that as the threshold and the milestone for each product. And once we're moving at least four pallets of each product, we can add another product. Um, and if, the, if it doesn't sell well, maybe we shouldn't continue to sell that product. You know, we want to do low volume, relatively lower volume runs see how the customers like it, see what the feedback is, does it taste good, is the preparation easy, does the price resonate with people, and if we can't make it work, we'll kill it right away. Um, so that's kind of how I view it, and uh, I'll pause there and see if I, I answered your question to, to the full extent, but I think I hit on a couple points there. Yeah, no, you got it right on. That's great. Uh, um, I, I think that uh, it's an exciting space that you're in, and, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing it grow. Uh, Andrew, as, as I close out the podcast, I give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. What would you like to plug today? Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we want to plug our products. We want to, we want to, we want to plug Urban Smokehouse. Um, you know, we're a small growing company, but if you enjoy barbecue, 
and uh, you, like many people, uh, maybe don't have the time or equipment to make it yourself every uh, every week or every month, or you know, view it as a special occasion for when you're traveling on a trip to Texas or the Carolinas. You know, consider consider Urban Smokehouse. We can bring it to your home and any of those other states, and we can make a product that's uh, you know much more convenient from both uh, an equipment and time and a time needed to prepare standpoint. So visit urbansmokehouse.co.co, not .com, .co, to uh, check out some of our products. And uh, would also appreciate a follow on any of our social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, you name it. Um, and our handle on every platform is at urbansmokehouse.co as well. So would appreciate you trying our products or uh, giving us a follow on social media. And uh, appreciate you, Brent, allowing me to do the plug. Absolutely, and I'll get the, those uh, links in the show notes. Andrew, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and, uh, and, and a pleasure meeting you as well, Brent. Talk Commerce is a production of Content Basis, LLC. For more creative content, go to contentbasis.io. 